Rise and shine, baseball fans! It's time once again for a fresh dose of Major League Baseball analysis with the newest community in the game. Bringing together fans from all around the world from their broadcast headquarters in beautiful Southern California. It's Kenny. If you're not watching Shohei Otani, the man is just doing special things on the baseball field. Like I said, almost looking non-human at times. It's Nika. Is Aaron Judge, number 99, going to be able to drag the Yankees to the playoffs? This is the Kanika Baseball Podcast. Yes, and welcome back once again, everybody, to the Kanika Baseball Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host and my beautiful wife, Nika. Good morning, Nika. Good morning, Kenny. How are you? I am doing okay this morning. I got some hot coffee here. The sun is shining in Southern California. We had a long day and a lot of notes taking from the trades yesterday. Oh, uh, yes. I have wrist recovery over here. Uh <laughs> Are you on the injury list? Full yellow pad of notes over here. I, I I think I wrote down every trade that went down Monday and Tuesday. Well, we try uh, to do our due diligence. Well, we're going to talk about all of that coming up uh, in the second half of our show today. But before we do anything today, I just wanted to take a minute and welcome some potentially new listeners out there in the world of baseball. We noticed some of the numbers are ticking upwards a little bit, so we want to welcome all of our new listeners to the Kanika Baseball Podcast community. We are just here having fun, shooting the shit, talking baseball, and hopefully connecting with people. We like to try and be a world brand. We, we like the idea of more people around the world becoming in tune with the game of baseball, and we are certainly here to help spread and share the good word, and the good love of baseball. All right, I think that about does that segment here. To, so welcome. We have some games, though, that we need to recap from last night. We had a lot of action. All the games were at night last night, after the deadline expired, of course. But there was no story bigger last night than one Framber Valdez of the Houston Astros. He tossed a no-no against the Cleveland Guardians in Houston. The lefty, the first lefty, I believe, in Astros franchise history. Very cool for the Southpaw, Framber. Congratulations. Good, sir. Uh, we caught the end of this one. I saw about the last six outs for sure because, you know, MLB sends you that alert like, no hitter alert, no hitter alert. And uh, anyways, uh, it was, we, we joined the festivities. I got to watch the end of it. It was really exciting to watch the end there. I really thought the last batter of the game made better contact at first. Because I call, I remember I called you over. Do you want to see the last out? And then, of course, you thought you jinxed it or something. Yes. Yeah. The guy, and then, but it turned out to be a soft liner, and uh, Jeremy Pena caught it, and that was the end of it. The rest was history. Yeah. Yes, I thought it's not going to end well. <laughs> I thought he's going to get a hit at the very end. Yeah. Well, what a big day for Houston. You know, they they get the no hitter, and of course, uh, they ninety three pitches. Ninety three, right? Ninety three pitches. Yeah. Amazing. Um. But what I was going to say is they were also one of the big winners of the trading deadline, as we'll discuss. But I don't think it's any surprise news out there that they have their one of their aces returning in Justin Verlander. So we'll be here to talk about it all in a little bit. But I want to turn my attentions next to the Cubbies. How about the Cubbies? A 20 spot last night. A, a touchdown and two field goals at Wrigley Field versus uh, visiting Cincinnati. And they have now split the first of their two I'm sorry, the first of their four games. Mm -hmm. 
So they've each won a game. And the Cubbies obviously coming back with a, a definitive striking blow yesterday. The seven home runs ties a franchise record for the 120-year-old-plus franchise Cubbies. Probably 130 or 140 by now. Jeez. But anyways, your thoughts on the Cubs? The Bets came into play yesterday for the Cubs. Reds, not so much. I mean, they scored later in the game, but still. Yeah, I, I think the Reds are just one of those teams where they, they're they so young, top to bottom, minus Joey Votto, that when they're in these blowout game situations, they just don't really care. It's kind of the same when they're up by a lot, too. They just don't really care. They're just going out there and playing the best that they can all the time. Um You know, I think a lot of them are still, they have that new job feel to it where they want to, like, show up and be at their best all the time. And not saying that the veterans don't do that either, but it's been now a, a grind. It's, it's a job and it gets repetitive over time. So I, I still think the Reds have that new job feel and I fully expect them to bounce back today like nothing happened yesterday. So they probably will. And the Cubs did really, really well. They probably feel the weight of a trade being off of them, like Cody Ballinger. Yeah, the Cubs are one of the, and, and maybe the Padres are the te- two teams that screwed up the trade deadline. A little bit. A little bit because the they, they sort of went from being sellers to, to buyers at the end. And meanwhile, they took some of the bigger pieces, I think, that the establishment heads on MLB Network and ESPN and everywhere wanted to talk about, like Blake Snell and Josh Hader and Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman. Like, those are big-name players. Not so uh, fast. Yeah, not said. so fast. And uh, if you look at the wild card standings this morning, your Cubs and Padres are three and a half and five games out, respectively. So why should they sell? They're two of the highest drawing teams in Major League Baseball in a season where attendance is up. Yeah, that's a great point because we were saying last year that people don't go to games as much. Yeah. And well, this year is the opposite. Yeah, we're going to talk about all this with the trade deadline because I think it's connected. But okay, um, we got some more games to get through. The the Orange Birds up in Toronto, they just continue to dominate the Blue Jays in Toronto. I, I don't know what has happened, uh, but it seems like whenever the Orioles visit, Toronto just cannot beat them. Last night it was Gunnar Henderson, another big home run for the kid. That's two days in a row, I believe, up there. What did somebody say he looked like? Oh, Achilles. <laughs> I think DeRosa said that. Mark DeRosa on MLB Network called Gunnar Henderson Achilles, and it really made me laugh. I just, I was like, yeah, that's spot on. But you got to love anyone that is playing baseball with the name Gunnar, I think. And, and he has that like blonde team. hair, American look, you know, like he could gonna... really just make him a new poster child for a Team USA. He looks fantastic. And with the name like Gunnar Henderson, you're either a baseball player or military guy. That's it, isn't it? DeRosa's already recruiting for the next Team USA. <laughs> Possibly. He wants Brigadier Gunnar Henderson on his team, and he probably wants his side mate, Adley, behind the plate on that USA team, I would guess, in the future. Okay. Two anchor pieces, possibly, for uh, Team USA in the 2026 World oh, Baseball Classic. One? Yeah. All right. Okay. Anyways, if you missed it through all that, the Orange Birds continue to dominate. What was the final score over there, Nika? Oreos 13, Blue Jays 3. Wow. Another f- couple oh. touchdowns and a, I'm sorry, a touchdown and two field goals for the Orioles. They didn't quite get that second touchdown like the Cubs did yesterday. But it is baseball after all. So yeah. anytime you score over 10, you're doing something right. Okay. Well, just moving right along here, we're going to go to the Bay in San Francisco where the Diamondbacks are visiting the Giants. And talk about two teams kind of in different spots all of a sudden. Arizona was leading the NL West 
for a good chunk of the first half of the season, only to get overtaken sort of late by the Dodgers. And since then, Arizona's kind of been just hot garbage. I don't know what their exact record is this month, but um, they've fallen out of now wildcard contention this week. They're a game out of the wildcard as it stands this morning, along with Miami, who has also just been having one of the really bad months in baseball. I, I, I know when the Rays and the Marlins played each other last week, we were both we talked about how bad their records were collectively in the month of July. But Miami continues to struggle as well. They got beat up by the Phillies after they were winning one to nothing going into the ninth last night. And then Bryce Harper hit an RBI double and Nick Castellanos hit a two-run homer and it was all she wrote. They spoiled uh, Nate Robertson's first start with his new team in Miami. So It just points to the fact that the other teams are just getting better. The Giants came back and won four to three last night in a sort of a back and forth game with the Diamondbacks. So they've now split their first two of a four game series as well. A lot of four game sets mm-hmm. this week, by the way. So if we forget one, apologies. But the Diamondbacks and Giants and the Cubs and Reds are definitely playing four game series. And so, yeah, they've each split the first two. And, and those are both good matchups right now. Two teams and in, in right in the thick of it. So mm-hmm. Cubs continue to stay hot, of course. And then the Yankees are continuing to struggle. They've now dropped the first two to Tampa Bay. They've lost three in a row. They are falling further out of wildcard contention. They're now three and a half games back. The Angels folks have passed the Yankees. Oh, in a wild card. So uh, they now trail Boston, and Boston is trailing Toronto by a game and a half. So they all a game and a half of each other as of right now, all those three teams. The Yankees are two games back of Boston. So those, but yeah, the AL wildcard is not quite neck and neck as the NL wildcard is. But that doesn't mean, like if I look at it right now, like Seattle, New York, Los Angeles, Boston, all in it, three and a half games out, Seattle, three and a half games out, Yankees, three games out, Angels, Boston, a game and a half out, uh, and then you have Toronto, Houston up by two, and Tampa Bay. So Tampa Bay is obviously in the like driver's seat when it comes to the wild card, but don't take anything for granted. They've been slumping too, and they didn't make a lot of big splashes yesterday at the trade deadline, so they're relatively going out there with this crew. This is it for the teams. You know, yep. Whoever didn't do any major trades, this is it. Well, there there could be waivers, claims, pickups, and stuff still to here along the way. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a team picks up Nelson Cruz, you know? Like, I, I know it's been a couple weeks now, and I don't know how much he's really got left in the tank. He's he's in his 40s, you know, 42. Well, there are other options. Yeah, but that's just an example of somebody that, like, hey, we might want to just see if this guy can come in and hit. That's it. When is the deadline for this stuff? Well, there is really no deadline. Like, oh. it, it's just teams can no longer trade player contracts for each other anymore. But they can pick up But if players. a team DFAs somebody, you know, that player will go to waivers and teams can put in for him if they want to. Okay. And there's a pecking order. I can't remember how it's determined, but uh, I'll look into that when we have our first waiver pickup, okay? Okay. Deal? Sure. All right. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to cover with the action yesterday was Padres. Uh, the Padres, man. Padres watches back. Well, it's not really back. It's just here. I kind of came to the conclusion that it's just not going to go away. Full disclosure, I was hopping mad Monday night. I was having trouble winding down. If you don't know, the Padres-Rockies game was delayed heavily on Monday night. Rain delayed, yes. And then uh, they wound up playing the game uh, like through rain. (laughs) It looked awful. 
you know, talk about starting. If you want to talk about awful, just think about starting a baseball game at like 10 o'clock at night in the rain. <laughs> uh, probably not a pleasant experience for everybody. And then the game itself was somewhat heartbreaking. The Padres were down three to two in the ninth when lowly Trent Grisham came up with two outs and somehow knocked a solo home run to tie the game. And then the Padres got bases loaded in the 10th with nobody out and failed to score the go-ahead run only to then lose in the bottom of the 10th. And it's just another, I was like I said, I was hopping mad. And then I watched him buy yesterday at the trade deadline as opposed to getting rid of Hayter and Schnell. And that's why I just came to this inevitable conclusion that like no matter what, they're not quitting. And, you know, like I said a few minutes ago, they're five games out of a wild card spot on August 2nd. Like, you can't quit. So, in better news, the they did come back and win last night's game. Juan Soto hit a couple of home runs. So, that was nice to see. I think Fernando's struggling a little bit, and I wanted to point out one thing. He's one home run away from 100 in his career, and I, I have to feel like he knows this, and he's probably trying to get past it. I, I feel like sometimes players get stuck or hung up on these little milestones at times and you wish they wouldn't because he's got a lot more than one home run left in him in his life you know but you can't say that it doesn't affect people and you know of course it does you know they want to prove and show that they are who they are he would still be the fourth fastest player in games right now to get to 100 home runs in his career i think with the deadline being gone and over a lot of weight is going to be lifted off the shoulders of some players yeah it's not just the Padres but probably generally around the league so we'll probably start to see people settle in here over the next week and I I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of veterans started playing better you know and just everyone picking up their overall game a little bit we don't have to focus on any of this outdoor extracurricular BS you know we can just kind of settle in and focus up on baseball and like get ready for a run a postseason run you know like that's what they're all gearing up for yeah as much as we want to say say that this doesn't affect players or they don't think about it it does absolutely does you know we heard what's his name mark Cana from the mets he went to see the movie just to not to look at his phone and then he gets traded <laughs> he got middle- traded during oppenheimer by the way <laughs> you want to talk about having your mind blown okay well that's a good segue i think into the into the trading situation uh, roundup i guess i'll call it from yesterday and i think the one overarching storyline or theme that sort of comes to mind when I look back on all the trading hoopla from the last couple days is with the new playoff format and with the sort of underhanded push by Major League Baseball through the collective bargaining agreement, by the way, to have more smaller market teams remain competitive and keep their players longer, more teams are in it and more teams think that they are buyers like the Padres and Cubs and to some degree, like Seattle and the Yankees and Angels. So I think you're going to see, as the trading deadlines come and go in years future, you're going to see less and less marquee trades, you know, every year, like you did last year with Juan Soto and stuff, uh, and and big field position players moving, you know. Now, there's going to be outliers, and I'm I'm not saying that there's never going to be, like, a big-name all-star type player traded ever again at the trading deadline, but it becomes harder to sell for teams like the Padres, like the Cubs, because of what we said. You know, they're drawing 40,000-plus a night and how do you turn that revenue you know how do you how do you sell that to your fan base that like oh we're still trying to win here even though we just gave up Stroman and Cody Bellinger you know like they're they're 
they're not going to believe you. And then are they going to continue to show up? So that just was my overall takeaway, I guess, from the trading deadline is more teams than ever think that they're in it. And so as a result, we saw a lot more smaller calculated trades yesterday, a lot more like chess, I would say, like minuscule moves that teams will get bigger returns on than it might look like because there's not a lot of sexy names or pieces involved. I think the club's going to have a different approach when it comes to buying and selling at the deadline oh. because of that reason, because they play each other at least once or, tw I mean, twice in a season. Not twice, but yeah, every team does play each other and like, but every team in the National League will play each other at least twice. Right. Once at their place, once at your place. American League, if you're in National League, not so much. You, you just play them once a season, but like it'll alternate years. So like the Rays played in San Diego this year. I know that next year, the Padres will have to play at St. Pete's in Tampa Bay. Okay. Well, that's fine, but that's going to play into the different strategy for buying and selling because you certain pieces, you don't want to go to the competition. We saw it with Otani. They held on to him for so long because no matter where you put him, you might have to play against him. Yeah. It, it, it would always be a hard pill to swallow in the right. future, you know. And how you it doesn't justify have that it. effect anymore? Where, you know, like oh, Otani could get traded to the Cubs or the Mets, and the Angels would never have to play him unless they somehow played him in the World Series, you know, which would happen. Right, and also how you justifying moving Otani and losing the twenty five million revenue from the ticket sales because yeah. people come and see him. Well, we did have some big names move in the trading deadline. Uh, we did. And the two biggest were on the Mets, Max Scherzer, of course, going to the Rangers, Mad Max. We saw him last night in his Ranger Blues, but the other big one came yesterday, close to the uh, end of the deadline, maybe maybe a couple hours to go, but uh, Justin Verlander went back to the Houston Astros. It was thought the Dodgers might be involved in those talks, but ultimately he went back home to Houston. He has a home in Texas. He has a home in Texas and he likes Texas and he likes the Astros organization. He wanted to be moved to uh, Astros. Yeah, and and as we said earlier, the Astros had a great day. They got their they got that no hitter out of uh, their other starter, Framber Valdez, and and we've talked about uh, Jose Urquidy coming back. He was on the sixty day IL with a some kind of a shoulder thing. The Astros rotation is basically getting healthy and oh by the way they're what a half a game out of first place right now, especially after the Rangers got swept by the Padres. Oh boy. Well, we're obviously headed for some kind of showdown between Verlander and Max Scherzer. I can't wait for that game. They That's better pitch be, against each other. Yes, it's going to be promoted very heavily. Yeah. And it was funny just watching Max yesterday like you made a comment that it's just it's just all business to him and he doesn't get too hung up one way or the other about, you know, he just showed up and was like, "Hey, tell me what I'm pitching." Yeah. At that um, point in his career, probably it's just a standard thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now I did hear that like Verlander should have a, a bit of an easier adjustment because he's familiar with the catcher Maldonado on Houston a little bit versus I don't think Mad Max has ever worked with Jonah Heim or who's uh, injured now. Yeah, and then I was I was looking up they made a trade yesterday for a, a catcher. So oh, they did. Yes. The Rangers made a deal for Austin Hedges, catcher from the Pirates. Yeah. Austin Hedges went to the Rangers 
for the international bonus pool money. So the pir- that's what the Pirates got in exchange for Austin Hedges. Congratulations, Pittsburgh. Well, maybe they have an eye for some international player. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, there's probably a lot of international players a lot of people got their eyes on. So never a bad thing to have. And that's kind of funny. Okay. The Rangers and the Houston Astros, though, definitely two of the biggest uh, winners in this trading deadline, really bolstering their pitching staff in ways that other teams did not. The Orioles did land the services of Jake Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals, one of the other big arms that was on the market. So the Orange Birds remaining competitive. But uh, again, the Orioles didn't move a lot of their young players yesterday. The Reds didn't move any. Jonathan India was rumored to be going to the Kansas City Royals, and that didn't happen. So some of the bigger name players that were maybe going to be moved, Dylan Cease was also talked about, you know, it was like, how deep will the Cardinals go? Should they trade Arenado and Goldschmidt? But the Dodgers also made early moves, and they didn't make a. B- they were in on the Verlander talks yesterday. But despite missing out on that, I still think they improved their team a lot. You know, Lance Lynn got his first win for them last night. Not my favorite player, but he seems like he's going to be serviceable for them mm-hmm. and get what they want out of him. Ahmed Rosario and Kiki Hernandez, obviously they got back, so they they feel pretty good about where they're at, I think. Oh, they also got Joe Kelly back in the bullpen. I don't know if he's a head case too much or not, but either way, they got him. Seems to me that a lot of teams went back for the players that they used to have on their teams. Mm -hmm. They feel comfortable with them, so we're just going to get him back. Yeah, back, back to what we know. And like you said, and maybe there'll be like a little bit less of an adjustment for those players to sort of slide back into an existing system that they know. Yeah, maybe makes it easier. You know, okay. like I know it's I know we think that these guys just play baseball, but all 30 teams do sort of have uh, their own way of doing things if that makes sense and you it know, whether does. whether it's like what time the team gets together and stretches every day or or what, you know, like it's just not everybody doesn't run like clockwork. So Yeah, each team is different for sure. Another team, though, that I wanted to point out that made some really fun moves was the Cubs. You know, the Cubs picked up probably one of the best bats that was in the trading market this year, uh, Jimer Condelario. He actually came up in their system. They were able to get him back from the Nationals, and they also got some bullpen help from the Royals. Jose Caus was acquired from the Royals. Well, the Cubs got right-handed pitcher Josh Roberson from the Tampa Bay for two players, right-handed pitcher Adrian Sampson and right-handed pitcher Manuel Rodriguez. Again, these were not big-name players that were moved yesterday, you know? Uh, And if you don't know baseball and back-end bullpen guys, like, a lot of these names are going to sound really unfamiliar to you. But they also picked up uh, Jose Cuis from the Royals. And he should help them out a lot. He was really good in July. They got him. They sent Nelson Velasquez back in return. Uh, I think that's just because the Cubs had way too many outfielders on their team. So, But overall, good moves by the Cubs. And I uh, wanted to point out, Jimer Candelario in that debut last night in, in that 20-run game had was 4 for 5. So already seeing dividends. Uh, the Angels seeing dividends from their new players, CJ Crone and Rechick. The outfielder. I like his name. Okay. So I wanted to turn our attentions to, I guess, well, some of the losers, I feel like. Uh, Some of the trading deadline losers. This is all subjective a little bit. uh, But the first team I wanted to put on my losers list this year was the Cardinals. I feel like the Cardinals are having a bit of an identity crisis and are just not being honest with themselves. I I kind of expected them to do more at the deadline. You know, like we've talked about, for example, how they have a lot of outfielders on their team. And it doesn't look like they moved any of those outfielders out of there. So they still have kind of this logjam 
you know, there was talks about Dylan Carlson getting moved yesterday. Never happened. I don't know what they're so afraid of. Like, these guys don't strike me as untouchable. So I, I don't it's know what they're strategy. seeing that we're not seeing, but yeah. just maybe too in love with their own players. I don't know. I think this the Cardinals organization is just set in certain ways. They do certain things the way they have been doing it for the hundred of years, and this is it. There's something to that for sure. I, I won't disagree or or deny that. But we've always talked about how they're this that one team that's never out of it, and they always have this sneaky. We earlier this season we called them the sneaky Redbirds, but I've sort of given up hope that they're going to make it. You know, they sold too much yesterday. They did sell Jordan Montgomery. You know, they sold Jordan Hicks. We we didn't talk about Jordan Montgomery also going to the Rangers, but, you know, they mm-hmm. they got rid of some pieces, Cardinals did. I just don't know if they got rid of enough. I would have liked to – they did trade Paul DeYoung to Toronto yesterday. Again, not a big shakeup to me. They still have that overcrowded outfield. And I would have really seriously considered moving Goldschmidt or Arenado or both, uh, and even Contreras if I could have. You can't tell me teams weren't looking for a catcher, too. I, I Again, it's their mentality. It's like we got these locked players for a while now. Arenado, nine years. Mm-hmm. Contreras, five. Goldsmith, five. They're going to go with those guys. They're not going to yeah. move them. There was talks about Arenado going to the Dodgers at one point. Rumors. Well, those didn't materialize too much. I think the Cardinals, to a greater degree are suffering from like similar to what the Padres are suffering through. I think they just fell too in love with their own team and they're having a hard time accepting what the reality is of their team makeup. And I just hope it doesn't bite them too hard in the ass in the future. You know, when you look at a team like what the Mets did, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, I feel like they were much more smart and were not playing with their heart in this trading deadline like some other teams were. And I'm sorry. You know, the Cardinals are way, way further out of it than, like, San Diego and the Cubs are this year, you know. And, and, and they know it. They did sell some pieces, but did they sell enough? That's that's all I'm questioning, you know. In a I market where were. there wasn't a lot of bats and stuff available, you could have really gotten a huge return probably. I think the market was just not favoring bats. It was more <laughs> favoring pitching, and I don't think the San Luis Cardinals – we're looking for new pitching. They had pitching. They they were giving it away. Yeah. You know, okay, well, we'll see how it all works out for the Cardinals long-term. Could have done more. Another team that I thought was sort of uh, having an identity crisis was the Mariners. They sent their closer, Paul Sewold, to the Diamondbacks, which in all intents and purposes signals that you're like selling, right? But then they kind of stopped short of letting go of any of their veteran bats. Like Ty France was rumored to be on the market. I, I don't know if there was any others in particular I'm thinking of right now. But I, I guess I would have liked to have seen the Mariners do a little bit more one way or the other, either buy or sell. If you were getting rid of Sewold, to make room for something else, I could have totally bought into that, but it doesn't seem like they brought anything else in, so I don't know where they're at uh, with that. Nevertheless, Seattle is three and a half games back in the wild card right now, uh, tied with your New York Yankees, and only a half a game back of the Angels and two games behind Boston. So right in there right now, right in the middle of the race, and they are playing Boston right now. So they have split their first two games, a rubber match coming up later today. 
or is that a four-game series? I don't think that's Three-game series. Okay, so rubber match today. Okay, well, we'll see what happens with the Mariners. I, I wish they would have committed to Elaine more one way or the other. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Mariners team. I don't think they're World Series material this year. There was talks of Logan Gilbert maybe going to the Orioles that didn't materialize. They went with Jake Flaherty instead from the Cardinals. So, I mean, the Mariners do have good young pitching. They have Logan Gilbert. They have George Kirby. I guess we'll wait and see. I, I, what's the other guy's name? He was on the mound last night, actually. Is it Bryce Miller? Yeah. He he took the loss last night, but he, he's another pitcher that's, like, somewhat decent for the Mariners. So they have a lot of pitching. We'll see what happens with them long term. All right. Another team that didn't really do anything that I saw of note was the Giants. The Giants. I was surprised. We always one. talk about the Giants having a bullpen by committee. Oh, it's another bullpen by committee game. And I'm just surprised they didn't add a starter or two. But times are what they are. There was rumors of Joey Bart. Maybe being on the move yesterday, he's a young catcher of theirs who's hurt right now, but he's also sort of underperformed, I would say, in his first, like, beginning of his major league career. So I was surprised he didn't move, you know, because it seems like the Giants have kind of moved on from him a little bit. Yeah, I'm surprised Giants didn't make any moves because I knew they are hurting for pitching, starting pitching. Nothing at all. So it's a tough one. And then aside from the Giants, New York, the Yankees. Really surprised to see not more splashes out of the Bronx Bombers. You know, I don't think the they Yankees could sit today three games over 500, three and a half games out of the wild card, and they have Hermain, who threw a perfect game this year. They have Garrett Cole. They have Carlos Rodon coming back, and they're just starting to get healthy as a pitching staff. They just got Judge back, and, and you can't underestimate the impact that he's going to have on your lineup. So I was just surprised they didn't shore up pieces to make a run, you know, because... It's the Yankees. And yeah, you would expect something with, from the Yankees, whether they're going to sell uh, some pieces or move or add. You no, just expect much. them to be involved. And the fact that they weren't, I think, is just a little interesting. Well, yeah. we'll see. They really need a win. They've lost three in a row. And uh, they have Garrett Cole on the mound today against Shane McClanahan. Really good matchup. That's in the Bronx. I'll be watching. That would be a great game to watch. Okay, that wraps up my losers this year. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to end with a couple of teams that I think uh, made really good moves for the future. First team I got up there is the Mets. I don't know how you can argue with the Mets. The Mets, they were the most surprising team in this deadline. I, and I'm surprised almost that they didn't go a step further and, and trade the polar bear yesterday. You know, there, there was talks like, are they going to trade Pete? Maybe, maybe. Um, you know, he's a fan favorite. I, I understand why they didn't. Uh, and, you know, he's still a young player. You know, he's in the same rookie class as Fernando and Vlad Jr. Um, I don't know about his age. He might be a couple years older than them. but He's 28. Yeah. Almost 20. So he is 29. a few years older than them. But nevertheless, you know, he's got some mileage ahead of him. And I think they like him in New York. Yeah. And they kept Lindor. You know, they have players there and stuff. And they, I don't well, think they want to be uncompetitive next year. But I think really the Mets are looking at 2025 and 2026. The Mets need young, up-and-coming prospects. They really don't have a lot of young players on their team. Well, they do now. Now they do. <laughs> and, of course, they got the, the sort of, I guess, marquee highlight piece as far as young prospects go in this trading deadline with Luis Angel Acuna, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s brother. And I guess that's just because of the name. You know, like, he's having a great minor league season. Uh, he's like in the 40s somewhere in the top prospects right now, and he's only going to move up as more players get promoted next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the top 20 next year yeah. when the season starts. He has something like 40-some stolen bases this year in the minors. Talk about 
if you're a fan of his brother, he's you're probably licking your chops right yeah. now. Like, uh, I want that. He's competing with his brother for stolen bases. Yeah, so that's a really big haul for the Mets. And they got a lot of other great young players yesterday as well. And we're going to keep this conversation going for a, a few weeks because there's a lot of young talent that got moved yesterday that's hard to keep track of because, like we said earlier, there's like 700 players in the majors alone. And then there's all these, you know, there's like three times as many players in the minor league system. It's just no one can keep track of 2,000 players. It's no. just impossible. A lot so, of moving pieces. Anyways, um, another team that I think did okay for the future is the White Sox. Although I'm a little bit surprised that they still have some pieces on their team like Tim Anderson. He just seems like a disgruntled employee to me. And I don't know why you don't get rid of a disgruntled employee. But I guess nobody wanted him for what the White Sox felt they should get for him. I don't know if he was dangled out there that much or not. We didn't hear his name yesterday a lot in the rumors. In fact, you know, I want to actually play a sound clip really quick because the White Sox did trade a player that was surprising yesterday. Jake Berger, one of their fan favorites. They traded him to the Marlins out of nowhere. I, I did not see this move coming, and I don't think a lot of people in baseball did. White Sox fans were really upset about it, but Jake Berger himself I wanted to play this clip because I felt like it really shows the the true emotion of baseball sometimes at the trade deadline. Jake Berger was upset yesterday. He didn't know he was getting traded when he woke up yesterday. He wasn't involved in any rumors. His name wasn't being talked about. And for all intents and purposes, you know, like he embodies the Chicago South Side spirit and soul. You know, he has a mustache. He is a heavier set kind of stocky dude. And his last name is Berger. <laughs> and he plays in Chicago. So that was a very odd transaction. Well, let's just take a listen to him really quick and hear his thoughts on being sent to the Marlins. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it happened really fast. Um, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long journey um, with, with the organization. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of good memories, a lot of bad memories. So, you know, I'm just grateful for, for the White Sox, um, the organization for you know, believing in me when it didn't seem like a lot, of, a lot of other people believed in me and the fans believing in me um, coming back from injury. So, um, you know, it's a lot, of, a lot of good memories here and, you know, it's, um, my son got to see me play in the White Sox jersey first, and, um, you know, so, but on, on the flip side of that, you know, going to Miami and, uh, you know, get a play, uh, make a push for, for the playoffs, and, um, you know, in a wild card hunt. Um, you know, I'm really excited to, you know, play my heart out uh, for, for Miami as well. I mean, you can just hear it in his voice. He's super sad about leaving the, the team that he came up with. Again, I don't feel sorry for Jake Berger. He's making a lot of money to play a child's game, you know, uh, and that's his life. I couldn't be happier for him that he gets that opportunity. Well, he's going to play on the better. And now he gets to play for a team that's actually in contention, although it's the Marlins who need some help, and they need help. Uh, they're in the fight of their lives right now against the Phillies. So, anyways, Jake Berger, now a Marlin. Uh, good luck to you, sir. And, uh, hey, don't worry about it. He's going there for a year, according to the contract, or it's just a rent-up player, maybe. Yeah, I mean, again, Jake Berger was a is an older kind of rookie, you know, much like Pete Alonzo, we were just talking about. He's not a 21-year-old rookie when he broke in the majors. He's more 25, 26, you know. Yeah. Now he's 28. 
Jake Berger is 27 right now. 27, sorry. He's basically heading into his prime age, 28 to 32, is definitely considered your major league prime years. And so we'll, we'll wish him luck, you know. He could very well sign with the White Sox again in the offseason, it sounds yeah. like. I don't know. Was he a free agent at the end of this year? Yeah. Okay, so he's a rental player for the Marlins, you know. He only's making league minimum. Hey, do me a favor, Miami Marlins. Embrace this kid. He's a really lovable guy. So I, I hope Jake Berger has success in Florida. And who knows, maybe he'll latch on to a new a new squad for the future. So between Jake Berger and Josh Bell, we have Burger King and Taco Bell going to the fish. Sweet. Yeah, that was another weird move yesterday. The Marlins got Josh Bell, and the Guardians got... Gene Segura, and a prospect named Khalil Watson, who once upon a time was all the rage in the card-collecting world before he fell off a cliff. But nevertheless, he's heading to the Guardians as a prospect, and Gene Segura is not. He was DFA'd immediately by the Guardians. So I guess he's now like the first player to hit waiver wires in this in this season. We were talking about that earlier. So that's that. Um, and speaking of the Guardians, the Guardians also, I put them down as uh, one of the most uh, improved for the future, even though they're fighting for a playoff spot this year. I don't know. Um, but because of that move that I just talked about, getting Khalil Watson, they also picked up a young bat from the Rays. They got Aaron Savali, the starting pitcher from the Guardians, uh, in exchange for Kyle Manzardo. He's a first baseman prospect. He's 22. He is going to be major league ready next year. So that's why the Guardians sent Josh Bell packet to Miami. That makes sense now. Yes. So anyways, just wanted to get that all clear and straightened up. But the Guardians, they got a couple of nice little prospects for the future, huh? There'll be a lot of new and upcoming teams next season, like the Tigers, Cleveland, even Mets to a degree. That well, we- you it's interesting you mentioned the Tigers. Uh, the Tigers sent one of their start. The Tigers did not trade the pitcher everyone thought they were going to trade yesterday, Eduardo Rodriguez. They tried. They had a deal in place with the Dodgers, but he invoked his no trade clause and they were unable to move him to a different team. So that was the number one rejection. <laughs> it was. Um, and then in the meantime, the Tigers, they sent their pitcher, Michael Lorenzen, pack into Philadelphia. So he was one of the better starting pitchers to be had yesterday in the market. Especially, Well, there was a lot that Jordan Montgomery went to Texas, Verlander went to Houston, Scherzer went to Texas. A lot of pitchers moved, obviously, but Lorenzen was one of the solid, reputable veteran pitchers on the market. And so the Phillies wound up getting him, and they gave up a prospect named Hao Yu Lee, an infielder who has apparently has some potential in front of him. So the Tigers, though, I like the Tigers. I like Ben Satolkelson. I like some of the guy. I like Riley Green on their team. I, I think for all intents and purposes, all the drama with Javi Baez is probably behind them as far as like his benching and all that stuff. Hopefully he turns into a good better in presence. He's got a World Series ring, you know? They got Miguel Cabrera there grooming these young guys a little bit. Probably not the worst guy in the world to have around your clubhouse. So I expect nice things from the Tigers in the future. We'll see how they shape up next year. Definitely. But those were my four kind of teams that I felt were most improved during the deadline. But I, I like a lot of the moves the teams made. You know, like I like the moves our Padres made. I like that they didn't overbuy or oversell. I think they improved their ball team. You know, the Cubs, 
Obviously, I like the moves they made, bringing in some pitching help and bringing in that big bat to show you're going for it. The Angels, it's easy to forget about the Angels because they were relatively quiet yesterday, but they were one of the biggest movers and shakers of this whole deadline. They were the early ones. And they made the biggest move in the deadline, as far as I'm concerned, by making the decision to keep Otani. That was probably the biggest move anybody made in this whole deadline. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. We're going to follow this after the season is over to see how everything shakes out with the free agency. Oh, my gosh. They can't wait. The day the season ends, they're all going to be like, Otani, 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 where's he going to go? Highest bidder. We got, we, got, we got 50 million over here. We got 500 million over here. 600, 600. We got team ownership over here. Team ownership. Yep. It's oh going to be an auction. Yep. Welcome to the Otani auction. It's going to be open for business. But yeah, I'm exhausted from the trading deadline. So we're going to take the next couple of days over here at the Kanika baseball podcast to get kind of caught up on all the rest of the league. We'll probably try and squeeze in a little injury report on Friday since we didn't get to do it today on our usual Wednesday. And we'll also be back on Friday to preview all of the upcoming matchups for this upcoming weekend. There's even a few games getting started tomorrow, but I can't jump the gun because we got to finish today. And today's games all right but i think that is gonna put a bow on this episode of the kanika baseball podcast you got anything else over there nika i think you cover all the bases no pun intended <laughs> well I, I yeah i tried I, I don't know if i covered all of the bases but thank you for helping me touch them all as they say and we will be doing it again on friday here everybody wanted to take a minute and welcome our new and also our existing listeners Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we really enjoyed covering and following baseball uh, to a degree that we'd never have before. And if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so. You can contact us at kanikadaily at gmail.com. Uh, probably an extinct email address at this point we should replace. But for now, that's the one to use to contact us. I have it open every day. If you want to send us a voice message, you can do so. You can find us on Spotify and you can leave us a voice message. And if it's good enough, we'll even play it on the air and respond to it. So please interact with us. We would love to hear from you. Aside from that, you can find us on social media all over the place. Facebook, Twitter, Reds, X, whatever social media platform you use, uh, TikTok, YouTube, we're there. Just search for Kanika Baseball and you'll find us, I promise. All right. I think that does all of the house cleaning items up. This is Kenny. I'm going to sign off for this episode. And Nika signing off on the other end. Thanks, Nika. You're welcome. All right. We'll be back here on Friday morning, everybody. Until then. Adios. See you.